Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, where I and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, often talk about, well, elder law issues. One of the things, uh, Elizabeth, that, um, that people often think when they come in to see me, at least, maybe you have the same experience, is that they really need to be very concerned about the possibility of will contests. And I usually tell them, actually, the odds of having a will contest are pretty slim. But, um, but how, how frequent are will contests? I don't see them often, Robert. And I think one of the reasons why is that deciding that you're going to contest someone's will means a lot of different things to different people. But ultimately, to proceed with a process where essentially you would need to prove that there was some kind of fundamental issue with either the creation or the validity of someone's will or the person's capacity, the testator's capacity at the time a will was signed, that's a really uphill battle and can be very, very difficult to satisfy the burden of proof and very expensive. You're absolutely right, Elizabeth. And I think a lot of the anxiety about will contests comes from the notion that people have that they can contest a will because they think it's unfair. No, you're not entitled to receive anything from your mother's or your father's or your grandmother's estate. You only get what they decide to give you. And if they decide to disinherit everybody in the family and leave everything to a charity, they are permitted to do that. The will contest has to be based on an allegation that they were incompetent, that they didn't know what they were doing, or that someone unduly influenced them to make the will, or that they just didn't even know it was a will. that They thought they were signing a grocery list or something. So as you say, that's a pretty uphill battle. And and it means will contests are not that common. There's another element to this. Who's going to contest your will? Is it going to be one of your kids who gets an equal share in the will? Well, that's what they would get if they successfully contested the will, too. Is it going to be your cousin who thinks that they are entitled to something? Well, they probably aren't an heir. And if your will was invalid, they wouldn't get anything. So the list of people who could contest your will is usually pretty short. Well, Robert, I usually hear people say, I'm concerned about a daughter-in-law, or I'm concerned about that neighbor who peeps in my back window, or it's it's often not a child. It's, it's somebody related to a child. It could be a grandchild spouse or distant cousin, oftentimes it's somebody kind of on the outer outer circle. And I think that sometimes the concern about a person contesting the will is more about somebody really rocking the boat. Right, right. rocking the boat, not necessarily filing a will contest, but just wandering around saying that you you did something horribly un, unfair or something. That's That's what your daughter-in-law or your son-in-law might do they don't really have any standing to contest your will. Of course, a lot of people worry that they will talk their husband or wife, your child, into uh, contesting the will because they feel slighted. But, uh, but, but there's really not very much risk of a will contest from all of those people. And Robert, when we meet with beneficiaries, if a beneficiary were to contact us and ask for a consultation, we would need to run a conflict check 
on all of the pers people who would be involved in that particular case, including the decedent, including the testator, um, to make sure that Fleming and Curdy didn't have any pre-existing representation with other parties. But assuming that we didn't and we had a consultation with the beneficiary, oftentimes I find that it's just a one-off consultation. We have this conversation in a one-on-one -on -one room and we really discuss the reason that person may be concerned or upset. And as soon as we're able to talk a little bit about the document, about how Arizona law works, not only kind of the uphill battle, but the administration of the estate, and the person learns that if he or she is named as a beneficiary under the will and will receive some funds, that they can also ask for information and accounting of the estate or what is in the estate. As soon as somebody understands that they can actually get information that under law, they're allowed to ask questions how much the tax return cost to prepare or how much the attorney's fees were or what is in the brokerage account. All of a sudden, knowing that there's some transparency that should be involved eases people and their their minds a lot, I find. I think you're exactly right, Elizabeth. Uh, and, and you've hinted at something else that's part of this. If someone comes to see us and says they want to contest a will, the odds of us agreeing to, and by us, I mean Fleming and Curdy, our firm particularly, the odds of us agreeing to do that on a contingency basis are not zero, but they're pretty close to zero. Um, and that's partly because of what you say, that these cases are very difficult to prove. There's a lot of, of, uh, of work that has to be brought to bear, and, um, and it's not a very high likelihood of success. People are so used to lawyers doing personal injury actions and medical malpractice actions on a contingency that they assume that that's, that's how we charge on everything. And very few lawyers are going to be willing to do a will contest on a contingency which means that when your daughter-in-law or your nephew or whoever it is that wants to contest your will talks to a lawyer, they might have a little trouble hiring a lawyer without laying out some serious cash. Right, Robert. And I, I think when we get involved in these kinds of um, cases, oftentimes we're involved as an independent party. We may be, Fleming and Curdy may be named as a personal representative of an estate or as a, a special administrator of an estate if there is uh, arguments going on or there is a will contest. Oftentimes we will come in as an independent party. Right. I, and just to kind of put a pin in how rare will contests are, I just want to observe that in over 40 years of practice in this area, I've been involved in about a half dozen will contests where I was one of the litigants. And, uh, and I have a 100% success ratio. I've won every single one of those cases. That's mostly because I have never challenged a will in court. I have always defended the will. And it's not that I'm a genius, though I'm happy to accept anybody's accolades if they'd like to say I am, but, uh, but because it's very hard to win those cases. So uh, I often say this to, to other lawyers, not so often to clients. It's not so much who's going to win this case is, if I had to represent one of the people, which side would I take? Usually I would take the side of the will being valid because that's what usually happens. Your mileage may vary. There may be some really good reasons to contest a will in, in your family's situation. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't mean, we don't mean to discourage you from talking to a lawyer, including us, about a will contest. But, um, but the first thing you're going to hear is some hard truths, some realities about your likelihood of success, what the problems are, how long it's going to take, how much it's going to cost, what the risk of appeal is, even if you end up prevailing, 
a lot of good reasons not to embark on a will contest. Well, Robert, I feel better informed than when we started our conversation <laughs> today. I didn't know your batting average. <laughs> so most of it happened before you started practicing law, Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> nothing personal. I'm not elderly. <laughs> for, for everybody listening today, when Robert says elder law issues in his deep baritone voice, I think, yeah, I'm not elderly. Yeah, I've been doing this 46 years, as I've noted more than once or twice. And that would be how many years longer than you've been alive, Elizabeth? Let's not go there. <laughs> So you've been listening to me, Robert Fleming, and the always lovely and agreeable Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Um, we are partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and we call this program Elder Law Issues. We hope you will join us again. Thanks. <laughs>